0: Daniel, kind words. Um, It's a joy, it's a privilege, it's it's an honor, it's fun to be with you guys, to have spent the day here already. I've met some of you guys, some of you guys I knew before, even today. Um, Even the ones of you that I don't know, um, like if if you're a part of this organization, but better said, this family that is KAI Alpha at UTRGV, and then you're dear to the people here, to the staff here, then you're dear to me. It's like your family. And I feel like when I, when I come here, it's kind of like I'm meeting, like, little brothers and sisters. Oh. Yeah, okay. That are really, we're, like, in the same line and the same lineage of what God is doing on campuses all across South Texas. Yeah, and so um, it's, it's good to finally be here. I passed up A&M Corpus. and My friends there didn't even say hey. Say hey to them. Yeah. My friends at A&M Kingsville didn't even tell them I was going through town. I'm going to UTRGV. So here we Right, guys? <laughs> I mean, y'all have had this dirty, like, dirty deed of people, like, coming down to see you guys and to meet some you guys, and they come to a Kingsville and then turn around and go back to Huntsville. And this time I just drove straight through all that and said, <laughs> huh? yeah, yeah. That's for some of you guys that have been here for a while. But yeah. Okay. Um, we have any soccer players here today? Soccer players? Anybody that likes to play some football? Yeah? Okay. Well, um, I can't swim to save my life. Th- I'll leave that to Daniel. I was once uh, at Bandera, in Bandera, and swimming at a rope swing. I jumped in the water, and e- when I got out. Eli said, are you kidding me? Were you joking? And I was like, no, I'm just trying to get to the other side. <laughs> I, I mean, I, c- I can swim to save my life, but that's about it. Um, I was not a swimmer. I played soccer. Not even that great at that, but I enjoyed it, and I did run a lot. Um, we had this, this crazy coach. Um, he had had a good experience in college where his team went really far, and they weren't especially skilled but they did really well because they were extremely fit. You see where this is going? So he looked at my team, and he told us, you guys are not especially skilled. In other words, you're not that good. But if we get fit, the the teams in our league, they're not that good. We can beat them. In the second half, when they're dying, we're going to beat them to the ball. And we're going to do it over and over again. We're going to get in their heads, and we're going to win a lot of games. And we were like, yeah, and then he lined us up and ran us till we threw up. <laughs> <laughs> but was he right? Yes, he was right. We won games, and we won games that we had no business winning, only because of our toughness and our fitness, because he had run us so much. So he, did, he was a great coach. He did what good coaches do. They look at their team. They evaluate what they have, and they know that where the battle's at, and they know the key to victory for their team. And he knew if we were going to win, we had to get fit. So he got us fit, and we did well. But tonight, I want to speak to us from one of my favorite authors, an incredible missionary, the Apostle Paul. Now, if anybody knew how to coach people for life, and if anybody knew where the battle is at and the key to victory for us to win, it was the Apostle Paul. He knew where the battle is at. And so we're going to see how that is true by going to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 to 4. Paul had a lot of friends, and he's always writing letters to them and telling them the keys to victory for life, okay? So you got your swords, or you have it up here on the wall, right? Ephesians 5, starting in verse 3. Paul does not mess around. He gets right down to it. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Did you see that? Paul like gives this black list of things to avoid, and he says, if you're involved in these things, run from them, get out of them. Sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joke, these are out of place. And what does he counter that whole blacklist with? One thing. What is it right at the end? Thanksgiving. Yes. So avoid this and do this. What is it? Thanksgiving. Paul says to us, be thankful. And he says it once or twice no he says it over and over and over it's a constant theme in all of his writings and we're going to look at that in some of the letters he's written we're going to have seven different passages here you guys ready for some scripture can you handle this (laughs) okay all right there's a common theme in every verse look for it ephesians 5 verse 18 again kind of the black list do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, often giving thanks. Now you got it, right? Always giving thanks, right? Always giving thanks. Not most of the time when you feel like it. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.6. I mean, you know this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Did I miss something? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. With thanksgiving. You get this? You see what I'm doing? Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and be sprinkled with thankfulness. No, like saturated, filled to overflowing, not half full, but like you got it so much in you, it's such a part of your heart that it flows out of you and people can't be around you without knowing that you are full of gratitude, that something amazing has happened and you know where it came from, you know the source, you know Jesus has done something great and you are thankful. Colossians 3, verse 15, and then skip to verse 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Oh, and by the way, Paul again, be thankful. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul's an incredible coach, and if we're going to win, what is he telling us? You got to be thankful. You got to have a grateful heart. This is where the battle is at. Colossians 4:2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Sound like a broken record yet? 1 Thessalonians 5:18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Not most, not some, not when you feel like it, but in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so often we ask that question, what is God's will? And it's, it's so simple. It's right in front of us, right? Sometimes it's other than what we want, so we're asking. Yeah, ouch. Romans 1, and then verse 24. For although this gets real, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. How do you become an idiot? become ungrateful that's where it starts therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another how did it start first they became unthankful they knew God but they did not give thanks to him okay now Paul is saying all this and he's saying it over and over again right he is hammering this home but Paul practiced what he preached he practiced what he preached he practiced thankfulness He said this, I have learned in whatever situation I am, does anybody know the end of of that? Yeah, whatever situation I am, to be content. In any and every situation, I have learned to be content. I was reading this a couple years ago, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I just freaked out when I read it. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance. In all situations, I have learned to be content, and I thought, Whoa, this, this, this might be the greatest miracle in Scripture. This might be one of the greatest miracles in Scripture. Some of you are like, have enough church background. You're like, Jason, have you read the Bible? People are raised from the dead, right? Lame people get up and walk, right? Blind people have their eyes open. Deaf here, right? No, I'm still, I know all that, and I'm still saying this. For a man to be content in all circumstances. In any and every situation, that is stinky, that's supernatural. That is not us in our hearts. That is the Lord doing, that is a transformation. For a man to say, and it's, that's the, we have multiple accounts of people being raised from the dead. There's only one account in all the scripture of one man saying, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. Can we go there? Can we live there? Ooh. Lord, take us there. Amen? Lord, take us there. People that are content in, in every, in any and every circumstance. That is, you live a life like that, it is ridiculously powerful. It's such a testimony. Okay, so if we're going to look at being thankful, which we obviously are, what is the opposite of being thankful? I'm looking for the most simple opposite of thankfulness. Unthankful, ungrateful, dead on. You nailed it. If you're not thankful, you are Unthankful. If you're not grateful, you are ungrateful, right? We got big vocabulary stuff. Okay. But then let's do this. What is a good word that very squarely, opposite, not uh, not unthankful, ungrateful? What's a, a word that really counters thankfulness? It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. Yes, it's tied into that. Those are all like very good counters to thankfulness. Coveting, yes, yes. What's the opposite of being thankful? One of the, like a direct opposite of being thankful is actually coveting. And coveting is one of the Ten Commandments. You you want a definition of coveting? So we're all on the same page. Coveting means to desire something that belongs to another person. Coveting means to desire something that belongs to another person. How is that contrary to thankfulness? Okay, well, we'll break it down. Um, this is what we should notice about coveting. Like I said, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And you cannot break the other nine commandments without first coveting. You cannot break the other nine commandments without first coveting. Think about for that, that for a second, and you'll quickly realize that you never break just one commandment, if that's true then you're always breaking at least two because then you covet and then you do whatever other dirty deed you do. (laughs) First you break the command not to covet, then you break another. But catch this, you don't covet without first becoming ungrateful. You don't covet without first becoming ungrateful. Before you ever find yourself looking over your neighbor's fence, so to speak, wanting what they have, coveting what they have, you first Stop giving thanks for what you have. Uh Uh-huh. Before you ever find yourself looking over your neighbor's fence, wanting what they have, you must first stop giving thanks for what you have. But it happens so subtle. And you can see it happen in other people's lives way before you see it happen in your lives. Oh, dang, right? Once you become ungrateful, then you begin to look elsewhere, then you begin to covet, and then you begin to lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery, do whatever it takes to get what you desire. But you see the line? You become ungrateful, then you look elsewhere, then you covet, then you lie, then you cheat, then you steal. But it all begins by first becoming unthankful. So, did Paul know what he was talking about? Oh, man, Paul knew what he was talking about when he exhorted and when he encouraged his friends so strongly over and over and over again to be thankful. He knew what was at stake for them, and he knows what's at stake for you on campus today, even tonight. He knows for you even tonight where the battle is at. This is what he knew. This is so simple, and yet this is so profound. If you don't get anything from time, but you get this and you remember this for the rest of your life, then you got something. Paul knew this, the first step away from God is always an ungrateful heart. The first, de- first step back to God is always a grateful heart. It's never more complicated than that. Sometimes you'll feel confused, and you won't, you'll feel like, I don't know what to do. The first step back to God is always a grateful heart. When you feel your separation coming, distance between you and him, the first step away is always an ungrateful heart. It's never more than that. It's never less than that. That's where the battle is at. So what am I saying? What is Paul saying? We should. If you want to get good at anything, what do you have to do? Practice it, right? If we want to be thankful people, we have to actually practice thankfulness. We have to exercise ourselves in thanksgiving. Just lost my spot for a second. Okay. We should practice thankfulness, exercise ourselves in it, and here I want to tell you why in another angle from actually the perspective of a doctor telling us why, medically speaking even, scientifically speaking, we should practice thankfulness. Okay, check this out. In our brains, are there any nursing students in here? Yeah? Okay, you guys will correct me later if I get off, right? Uh, In our brains, we have neural pathways, okay? Everybody, like, at least know that. Okay, that's about all I know, right? In our brains, we we have neural pathways, and according to Dr. Earl Hensling, he says the emotions of anxiety and joy travel the same pathway in the brain. That's really significant. Let me read that again. The emotions of anxiety and joy, two opposites, right? The emotions of anxiety and joy travel the same pathway in the brain, the same neural pathway. They're mutually exclusive. You know what that means? You cannot have one with the other. So you must pick. You get one or the other, and you can have anxiety, but you will not have joy. Or, wonderfully, you can have joy and drive out all anxiety. Mm. If you choose anxiety, joy is kicked out. It has to go. But if you choose joy, anxiety has to go. So the million-dollar question, then, how do we choose joy? How do we choose joy? Before I answer that, a quick word about joy that has helped me so much. Um, Maybe you've heard this. Nehemiah tells us this, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? It sure sounds good. What does that mean? The joy of the Lord is our strength. I want that. What does that mean? It means this. This is simply put. It means more than this, but this is a good summary of it. The Christian that has the joy of the Lord, they go out because of what they have, not what they lack. The Christian goes out because of what they have, not what they lack. They go out not to be satisfied, but because they are satisfied. The world goes out to be satisfied. You understand there is a big difference, right? Okay, back to our question. If joy and anxiety travel the same pathway and are mutually exclusive, how do we choose joy? How do we choose joy? By giving thanks. What do you know? No mystery here, right? We choose joy by giving thanks, by practicing thankfulness. Okay? Um, One of my favorite authors is Andrew Murray. Anybody read any Andrew Murray? Okay. Okay. I love to read what we call the ODGs, the old dead guys. And then what I like to do is, is read them, and if they have really good material, then be like, then where did you get the good stuff from? Because none of this is original to us, right? And so in reading Andrew Murray, I've heard him recommend a couple times this guy named James Kimball who's like way back in the 1800s. And he said this, he said, at the back of all of our sins is our one sin, not believing that God is as good as he says he is Uh uh-oh right at the back of all of our sins is our one sin of not believing that God is as good as he says he is okay think about it for a moment and you realize this goes all the way back to the garden right can I read the account of the garden okay listen Genesis 2 8 now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east In Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. How many trees? All kinds of trees, right? And what were they? They were pleasing to the eye. They were beautiful, and they were good for food. They had good taste, and they nourished. And it says, in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see what's going on here? There's all kinds of good trees, and our enemy comes along and gets us thinking about the one thing that we cannot have despite all that we do have. He does that to us today. He did it at the very start in the garden with Adam and Eve. All these amazing trees, beautiful to look at, wonderful to eat and taste, nourishing for them, and then there's one tree they can't have, and the enemy comes along, and he gets them thinking about that one tree, because our enemy, just like the Apostle Paul, he knows where the battle is at. So what am I saying again? We must practice thankfulness. We must practice thankfulness. Okay, so... I want to give you one of the best examples. Stay with me, computer. Daniel to the rescue. (laughs) (laughs) We're almost at the end. It can come crashing down. We'll be okay. My computer may not, but we'll finish. Okay. Um, So last summer. not the one we just finished so summer 2018 um i got the most incredible uh scary uh amazing adventure uh and front row seat to watching my wife practice thankfulness and it was after she was diagnosed with a brain tumor um and so like the best way for this to happen would be for her to come in right now and i'd give her the mic and she's uh much more attractive than I am and she would share with you and uh, this account would be really cool but she did write this down so I can bring this to you and read it to you okay so here's her account of practicing thankfulness when it is not necessarily ideal okay and when you start to go in all circumstances oh man okay here's Kimberly's account when I was told I had a brain tumor last April I knew I was going to need to fight to keep a right and Christ-centered mindset. Hello. I didn't want my circumstance to cause bitterness or anger. In the months following my diagnosis, I would read Philippians 4 often, almost obsessively. It's not healthy to do a lot of things obsessively. It's healthy to read Philippians 4 obsessively. Read it. Paul told me in Philippians 4 to rejoice in all things, and that God was near. How could I possibly rejoice in a brain tumor? She includes a question mark and an exclamation point. How could I possibly rejoice in a brain tumor? Good question, right? She said, verse 6 and 7 of Philippians 4 gave me the answer that if I prayed with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, he would guard my heart and my mind. I looked at it like an equation, A plus B equals C. And I was desperate for C to have the God of peace who transcends human understanding to keep my heart and my mind whole and healthy. The core part of that equation for me was to be thankful, and that was just not easy at first. But I knew it was important, so I fought. Sometimes we have to fight. It required discipline because, what do you know, she says, I was not thankful for this tumor. God was constantly challenging me to think beyond my present troubles and pain, however, and I quickly formed a habit of thanking him for his character, that he is a promise keeper, that he never changes, and that he will never leave me. I learned that Being thankful helped elevate my eyes off of myself and on to Jesus. That is a key to victory right there. I learned that being thankful helped elevate my eyes off of myself and on to Jesus. She says, what a game changer. I was not limited in my ability to rejoice and be thankful by unfortunate circumstances. Quite the opposite. And the equation held up. God gave me the supernatural peace in my mind. God gave me supernatural peace in my mind and my heart. In June, I had brain surgery to remove the tumor. By the way, it was the size of a small peach. They got in there and they got it. She said, I had the the tumor removed. As I was coming out of anesthesia, I had the most incredible moment with God. It's hard to articulate, but the God of peace was in the room with me, so near that I could sense his likeness caressing my face. It was incredible. I've never felt such a hope, peace, and joy as I did right after brain surgery. She could tell you, like if she were here, that it's, it's to this day one of the greatest experiences of her life is to have brain surgery be thankful in it and experience God's presence like she did. My only response in that moment was to call Jason and a friend who was in the room to my bedside and say thank you to God for such a powerful moment. Man, fighting and discipline and prayer for a thankful heart led me to be. Aware of his presence in such an intimate way, I don't believe he would have been any less near had I not, but I would not have had eyes to see just how close he was if I had not first learned to fight for thankfulness. man. Worship band, if you guys could go ahead and come back and join me, that would be good. I want to just ask us this, um, and this will just be an honest moment, but does anybody, um, maybe you don't have a brain tumor, but you could, you could have something as serious as that, but when, when I say this to some of you guys, and I say, be content in all circumstances, that sounds nice as a theory. That's a nice thought, and you, and you can admire Paul, and you can maybe admire my wife, but if, if when the rubber meets the road and you think about doing that yourself, doesn't every one of us go, oh, shoot. Yeah, could I do that? Um, we have a moment right here, right now. For any of us with worries, with stresses, with concerns that are overtaking our minds and hearts, we can actually tonight together, we can lay them down, and we can trade them and the anxiety they're causing for joy by looking to Jesus tonight and not even asking him to remove those things but just saying I thank you you have been so so good to me you have done so many things and and for some of you you're like I don't know if I can even do that the Lord is wonderful in this way he will let you thank him for the smallest things and as you begin to do that gratitude has a wonderful way of snowballing And your words will grow and your expression to him will grow and you'll begin to say thank you to him in deeper and deeper ways from deeper and deeper in your heart. And you can do this. You can replace. When we have worries and anxieties, you know a whole lot of them are actually driven by not concrete realities but what ifs. And you can take those what ifs and you can replace them with the very character of God. When you focus on what he's already done for you, and be even what he's done for you in the future by securing a place for you in heaven. And you can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And joy will come in, and it will lift you, and it will replace the anxiety that can be marking us so often. Any of you guys heard the song, Count Your Blessings? Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. Yeah. Any, old, uh, any church kids that sang that maybe like in your Baptist church back home, maybe. Song, right? It kind of has this, sh- almost like a kind of a cheesy tune, like, count your blessings. Right, yeah. Okay. But that's, that song, to me, it's become like a battle cry. It's like a war hymn to me. And it says this, count your blessings, name them one by one, and then you will see what God is. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and you will begin to see what God has done. So I don't know of any better way for us to close tonight than to do this, for us just to take a moment to count our blessings. And it, I don't care how small you might have to start, but just say thank you to him for something. Thank you for the meal you had before you came here. Thank you for your family. Thank you for the people sitting next to you. Thank you for your education. You just start with anything, but say thank you to him. I dare you to do it. Count your blessings, and you will begin to see what God has done. And quite frankly, you'll start kicking the devil's butt. This is where the battle is at. This is where the battle is at. This is our key to victory. It's not getting on the line and running until we throw up. It is the key to victory for us is restoring gratitude in our hearts. Can you guys...